Hey, Brandon. Hey, Alan. And welcome to Dice Over Everything, the miniature gaming podcast. So have you been noticing much nostalgia for like the 80s and 70s lately, or is it just me? Uh, I've been feeling it personally. Okay. Yeah, well, man, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Great. Oh, damn. Are they, are they coming <laughs> back again? Uh, no. Well, for me, yes. Huh? Uh, just just like, you know, reading a bunch of uh, comics and, and, and watching YouTube videos about the history of. Mm-hmm. And then looking back and saying, wow, this was not as good as I remember it. <laughs> oh, okay. Which reminds me, I guess been, for music I've been listening to lately in DJs, been hearing a lot more like funk and disco. But mm-hmm. on the note of things not being quite as you remember them, mm-hmm. the people aren't actually playing the true 80s versions. They're, they're playing remixed house versions. Of so course, our, yeah. our tastes have evolved to expect a little more, more cleanliness, let's say. <laughs> It can't be damn gritty and dirty, unlike some things from the 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. which leads to our topic. Oh, the the grimdark and the cyberpunk that comes out of yes. Well, I guess I would almost say that 80s, I would say, is more where cyberpunk might start to emerge, mm-hmm. like with novels and stuff. Obviously, that like it's hard for us to talk about novels because a lot of the sci-fi stuff comes out of novels. But mm-hmm. the thing is, like, everyone has a different visual image when you read a book. Whereas so mm-hmm. once it gets into media, like film, movies, and all that, and miniature mm-hmm. games. And art. Yeah, and miniature gaming. Because we'll, we'll try and tie it into that. But yeah. the things we like are often in the sci-fi world. Yeah. Maybe Grimdark. And the better one may be Cyberpunk. But, like, the visual imagery, like the books, you've got 70s books that start to get into sci-fi. And then 80s, the whole uh, genre starts to become a little more well-known and yeah. start reaching us now. But in terms of the imagery, I think we get more of our imagery from like our shared imagery from TV shows and movies, especially. Yeah. These days. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when we think about, you know, in terms of miniature gaming, uh, sci-fi is, is a huge portion of it mm-hmm. uh, basically led by, Grimdark and like the the granddaddy of Grimdark, which is Warhammer Forty Thousand. Yeah, that's why because we're we're interested in miniatures games and the and the sort of the worlds that make it that get created mm-hmm. there. So, so you see the aesthetic mm-hmm. of these two things, like how of the aesthetic that we're consuming is often the two major sci-fi influences of I, I guess you'd say the popular ones right now are uh, cyberpunk. Grimdark, and I guess the third one would be post-apocalyptic, but that well ties into and uh, to Grimdark. The, the the particularly flavor of post-apocalyptic we consume is in in miniature games is generally Grimdark. Yeah, I think we'll get into the sort of the difference between those two, but mm-hmm. the most the ones I find have the most flavor, because like, you can think of our world just slowly progressing into sci-fi where mm-hmm. it hasn't taken a big turn and you're like, okay, that's where we're going. It probably will be more like cyberpunk, but when you watch TV shows, like if you think about capitalism, Star- baby, just getting yeah. a little bit of political there, like the mainstream, like you think mainstream sci-fi, you think Star Trek, you think Star Wars, mm-hmm. and you think about how the people live there. And it's just, it feels more like a progression of our current society mm-hmm. where they haven't gone into the all out war of the grim dark 
Mm-hmm. Like it's not. We can explain what these concepts. Are yeah, I, yeah. We 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 basically talked about it, but we haven't really explained grim dark versus cyberpunk. What think, is grim dark we'll, and what is cyberpunk? I think I want to go over what we sort of see as our future, and then okay, how they sure. from our future. So if we think of like those two main star sci-fi's in the future of star wars like your average person living there isn't in the middle of the war they just sort of go out living their lives maybe they're on the upper echelons maybe they're on the lower but society more or less is divided how we see it currently and then when you at least human society we'll get back to that later i think human society, so divided between war and or or we call it frontier and and the main portion of the of the bulk of people yeah the main bulk of the federation isn't living uh-huh. in some sort of like war-torn society or, or frontier land where there's constantly conflict or weird uh aliens of the uh, or, or problems of the week that have to be solved yeah there's not the dystopianism to it really uh-huh which yeah. i think is is a defining feature of cyberpunk and the grimdark is the, the dystopian edge to it mm-hmm. but we'll go back to that after and when you look at star wars Especially mm-hmm. when we start watching more of the offshoots, like Clone Wars or Rebels, that get more into the non-war aspect of it, where you see more of the general people's lives. Like mm-hmm. most of them are just kind of going through their life, almost more like we are now. And oddly enough, like mm-hmm. they've they've got less technological interaction than we do. Like they don't go around holding smartphones. Yes, because but, it's from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Uh huh. Even though they can communicate across the stars, they're like, let's just not do that in day-to-day life. They, they went back to a more... Because they have no one to talk to if they're in another galaxy. They're like, why would I want to talk to some Jawas on a different planet? Mm, okay, that could be it. They have everything I hate sand. Gets everywhere. They don't, they don't want to see the media coming out of the stupid Ewoks. <laughs> <laughs> Although, did you see them jamming on those uh, helmets and skulls? It was pretty, pretty baller. They could probably start traveling as a performance band. Yeah, no, I don't want to keep scrolling through my feed. I'll keep <laughs> seeing more of those. Anyways, so I think what we got to is that, so those are like, if we expect that things just keep going linearly without hitting a dystopian edge, then kind of we expect those to be the future, but... There's the other way that the future can go, like we talked about post-apocalyptic, which is obviously dystopian, where everything just falls apart. But then in the cyberpunk and possibly the grimdark worlds, like things are still like people are, the population hasn't disappeared. They're all still there, but something's gone dystopian. Mm-hmm. And I think the easiest one to start off with. So, I mean, so, so to divide it from Star Wars and Star Trek, mm-hmm. the idea is that Star Wars and Star Trek seems... It, it's applying the uh, current understanding of humanity and our track to just extrapolating into the future or, or the past. But but really, when you look at Star Wars, it's literally wars in space, right? What happens if we had our world and we went forward? It's the same world, the same kind of concepts in the world, but now it's over a galactic scale with spaceships and also space wizards. And then Star Trek is literally what happens if everything turns out A-OK, partner, all the way into the future, what would our world be? Yeah. Whereas uh, when we talk about cyberpunk and grimdark, there's a, a sharp turn where we're like, 
whether for, for whatever reason, this is not, you know, like all dystopian fiction, it's what happens if there's a something like extrapolating it, something bad happens and changes our, our, what, what people conceive as the path of humanity. Yep. So I think cyberpunk is the easier one to describe because it's probably even less, it's probably less of a deviation from those paths. Arguably, it is way more probable than Star, <laughs> Star Wars and Star Trek happening. Yep. Uh, so I think it sort of spawns out of a lot of the 80s aesthetics and the 80s like projection of what might happen in the future because 80s brought us a lot of punk and all that. Like Counterculture sort of- to the, well, we had a lot of it it's almost surprising actually when i think about it it's like 80s is like 40 years ago um the politics is definitely uh a factor in creating the cyberpunk um idea right mm-hmm. like cyberpunk is quintessentially punk which is a counterculture against the rising uh perceived authoritarianism of the right right wing in Britain, right? And you yeah, can see like, it all over their media. Yeah, like the whole look of punk is okay, you've got the you've got your ideal look or society's ideal of people all dressed up in suits and everything else like that, just being quite proper. And yeah. then the punks have quite have taken on not the same look for everybody, but they've just they're doing something to deviate and to show that they're not part of it's that. It's intentionally deviational in opposition. It is not, mm-hmm. it's not coming out of uh, its own aesthetic blossoming from its past. It is coming out as a counterculture to what was at the time, the mainstream Margaret Thatcher, uh, also tech, well, culture of you know, the, the people that were in charge. Yeah, it's not like our hipsterism where they're all going a different direction, but all doing the same thing with their ironic beards and their plaid that that's all going the same direction the punks were trying to do like be different but not in the same way i think yeah i think the punk kind of aesthetic was intrinsically political whereas hipsters are not right hipster is like the counterculture without any real reason (laughs) At least the, the way we describe hipsterism, right? It's the being different just to be special. Whereas the punks were, you know, the idea of punk is to be different for a specific message, right? It yeah. is not, it's not different for difference's sake, which is the hipster aesthetic or ideal mm-hmm. as, as understood by the, the, the common culture nowadays, right? Whereas the punk is, punk is, you know, and, and there are still punks at, at, today right um yeah yeah so i guess the other element of the cyberpunk is sort of the cyber part where in the 80s we were starting to get all sorts of more electronic music like synth Mm -hmm. pop and all that started becoming popular and it was it was giving rise to kind of yeah an aesthetic and an idea of a cybernetic future Mm -hmm. yeah so the music they were creating was what they figured was the music of the future which it kind of has made it's like all the sounds they were developing <clears throat> there have made yep. their way into our current music now. Yeah. I mean, just like we said before, they've become more refined, just like funk yep. is into sort of, well, disco has turned into something like funky house. It's mm-hmm. kind of melded its way into a more, more consumable product. 
but it still mm-hmm. has a bit of the original vibe to it. So the entire sound and the ideas, it's like the thing with the, the 80s and, and, and electronics, right? The punk is, see, at, at least as we understand it, it is comes out of a, the music scene, right? A music scene kind of thing. Although, you know, I'm not, I'm not a punk. I did, was not a punk. I'm actually too, too well, I'm not even on the right continent to from where it began, but of course, punk spread everywhere in Western culture. But like, I'm, I'm just from the outside looking in, um, it was heavily like a music, like music is, is where the, what do you call it? The flag holders of punk kind of pushed through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the technology thing made its way into everyday life. And so did like mm-hmm. that synth music started making its way into like, you think of the, the commercials and everything else like that, mm-hmm. they would adopt that music pretty readily. Mm-hmm. And and if you look at music, it is sorry. This is the the point. I got distracted by the punk part. The cybernet the cybernetic the the uh, electronic um what do you call it? revolution of music happened right because the synths started happening and you can see now actually it's complete right that any producer or composer will use electronically created instruments to you know build their music nobody like writes down the notes and then has to go to you know play it out right yeah to, like, to, like I to, said before, probably been watching too much twitch lately but people there sometimes on the stream show their musical creation process so they'll be creating all the beats and all that and a lot of the melody in just programs but then they'll overlay like their actual voice or if they play guitar they'll have real like some real elements to it, but yep, and piano, right? They'll, but if they do piano, it will all be digitized, right? The piano is almost like the input and it goes so, through. Yeah. It's not an analog piano with strings. It's yeah. It's where all... you record it and put it in. Right. Hmm? Um, and so, um, which is, uh, I'm just talking, it's not exactly like, okay. So obviously there's lots of bands that, you know, play, right. But, um, when we talk about the pop culture music that we consume, um, rock bands and like bands that play and make their music primarily through just jamming and stuff is no longer the top 10 songs on the bill on billboard. If you look at them, like I'm going to bet nine, if not all 10 songs, all of the instruments that are playing are synthesized, right? Although they they're they're made to sound like you know real real things. I, yeah, technology keeps getting better and better. It no longer sounds like it's that kind of sounds like. Yeah. Now they decide if it sounds synthetic or not. It's part of the yes, but it's technically all gone through the same. I don't know, the, the same synthetic kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And the idea that it is so different from like playing a normal, like playing an instrument, uh, just an analog instrument is, uh, it's not even, it's almost not even there. It's become transparent. Yep, it's become the norm. Mm-hmm. So projecting that into the future, well, it's not us projecting it into the future. I it's, wonder if I overstated it, nine out of 10, it's probably, maybe it's lower than that. It might just be music, anyhow. <laughs> 10 
out of ten of the songs that I like are all done on computer. You yeah, you I, I think that. I think nine out of ten is is too high. Uh, if you look, there's probably more. That, that, uh, my guess is actually there's going to be more that are uh, played by an actual band, but yeah. it's got to be at least it's got to be pretty high. I would say almost certainly more than half, at least at least in America. Sure. I'm going to be wrong. You know what? I'm going to check the, the, the billboard charts and it's going to be like, oh, fuck. Five out of so ten are country songs. One in the world. Anyway. And then three of them are just like songs with a, with a what do you call it? A, a, a band. Like a... It's going to be harmonica music and you're like, what's going on? The world's yeah. Maybe anyway. I'm, yeah. I'm getting, so, getting distracted. Yeah. So back to the cyberpunk thing. It's sort of, I guess, part of how they project it mm-hmm. is that people keep getting more and more attached to technology that they don't go the way of the star Wars and star Trek universes where people keep their distance from the technology. They're like, no, people keep getting more integrated with technology and technology becomes more and more part of the world. They're interacting. Just like you said, with the music, with our music now, it's being created more and more by machine. And the things we interact with now are more and more. If you're interacting with something online, you're just, buying things off a computer you're not calling someone on the phone you're not going to the store mm-hmm. now you're like okay in the future am i just going to walk into a store and buy things from robots like that's the cyberpunk future that they're projecting yep and more and more like you think of the billboards done in the 70s they may have been like designed by hand and all that and we keep going more and more digital now today when you go like to the downtown of a major city you won't just be seeing you won't be seeing printed billboards you'll just be seeing like giant projection screens lcd screens mm-hmm. and then you take it further to like you think of the futuristic cities like tokyo and there's just like lights everywhere and it's it's almost the aesthetic of cyberpunk if you think of it at night yeah like times square in, yep. in america in new york right you, you look at times square how much of that is digital screens and things like that and like you say we don't have um i guess uh how much time do we spend do people spend like, although we're not jacked in like in the matrix or something like that, how much time do we spend just staring at a screen? My entire job, I have to stare at a screen. And now, especially in like uh, COVID, I don't even leave my home. I just stare at a, I wake up, go to my screen, jack in, and then stare at it until uh, lunch, mm-hmm. go to my fridge, get something, <laughs> come sit down, eat it while then staring at my screen more. Consume entertainment while you eat on the screen. Yeah, yeah. Which I probably now that we mentioned, I probably shouldn't do that. I should probably just go sit up. Now that it's, the weather's nice, I should sit on my patio and just like unplug. You should live more like Star Trek and less like. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like cyberpunk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so let's let's go in a little bit more uh, deeply now that we're getting getting well, into the. Yeah. I was good. Okay. Well, what no, do no, you continue. Want? If you have something more more that you want to go through. What makes the cyberpunk dystopian? Mm. And I think that's quintessentially um, important for cyberpunk. Mm -hmm. So I I think um, cyberpunk, we have to look at cyberpunk as, like you said, it's an amalgamation of the cyber and the punk, but who actually did this amalgamation? it was writers, right? Mm-hmm. The initial cyberpunk is a, um, came at, like a term was used to describe a bunch of stories, right? The most popular uh, and the first one to, to really 
gain recognition being Neuromancer by William Gibson, right? There's a couple of stories. There was like the idea, like you said, comes from extrapolations of what was actually happening at the time, right? You have the cybernetic, I keep on saying cybernetic because I'm actually thinking about cyberpunk as we, as we know it now, but the, the electronic music, this idea of uh, digitizing and, and, and uh, electronic things taking over traditionally um, physical uh, portions of our life and constantly being more and more into this virtual uh, electronic world on the one side, combined with this punk aesthetic, which is uh, counterculturally, actually uh, is, yeah, this, this counterculture in that's spread around the West, right? Well, yeah, you can think of when something becomes dystopian, people are going to start rebelling against the, the main mm-hmm. narrative. So it makes complete and, sense something dystopian to have a lot of punk elements appearing. Yeah, and so I think the important thing to, to kind of realize is like, when you read these books, basically Neuromancer and all these things, uh, they're dystopian, right? They are looking into the future and taking these two ideas, one, which it was happening at the time, right? Like uh, technically still happening, but, uh, and then the other is the electronic things, putting them together, projecting into the future, right? Yeah. And so time. what is, so, so to me, when I think about the dystopian, like what is the quintessential cyberpunk portion is, does the cyber part, is the cyber part the quintessential part of cyberpunk or is the punk part the important part of cyberpunk? I think near aesthetically, the cyberpunk is the, the, the cyber is important aesthetically, but I think from the whole narrative and world part, the, mm-hmm. the people meeting people becoming punk in response to the dystopian world they live in is the more I think narratively important portion. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I would agree. And, and I would I say, I if you look at they, it, like you're talking about dystopian, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go on. I think though that how they play off of each other though, is that part of the dystopianism or the dystopian environment occurs as a result of the increasing technology that you always have mm-hmm. like Luddites rebelling against like the change, changes in society. They see breaking society down through technology, like coming more and more. Just people are like, oh, you're producing newspapers now. Now no one's going to interact because they're just holding a newspaper in front of their face on the train. And now we come to I, where everyone is not interacting properly because they've got their, their smartphones in front of them. And they're not actually talking to people because they're on the smartphones. And you keep taking it steps and steps further until people's interaction starts becoming very, very odd in the future. And that sort of creates this sort of dystopian mm-hmm. environment. I would say that's actually not the punk aesthetic of nope. cyberpunk. I, I wouldn't say... I would say the original Luddite is, against, though. is I no, I don't think so. I, 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 I don't think when I read Neuromancer, like you think about Neuromancer or the other books about them, they're not about rebelling against the technology. In fact, that's why I say the punk portion is so important because the people, the thing that makes cyberpunk so um interesting Mm -hmm. right is not like is that the you know the the people that created this stuff didn't hate technology right Mm -hmm. in fact like there was a huge embrace of technology and you can even see the main characters of neuromancer Mm -hmm. are characters who are the most cybernetic of 
the like they're on the bleeding edge of uh, futurism, right? The idea of, of post-humanism is not a negative in cyberpunk. Mm -hmm. It is the punk portion. Yeah. It is the use of the technology to overcome, to not overcome, but to control society, right? Which is the punk aesthetic. When you look at the history, what was the punk aesthetic rebelling against? It was government control, authoritarian, creeping authoritarianism. And you can see it all over the popular media that survives today, possibly because the media that survives today is still relevant today. You look at, um, uh, at uh, V for Vendetta, right? Yeah. Is and and Watchmen, um, two of okay, I'm a big comic book nerd. So the movie where they did the the part two lately, <sighs> Blade Runner. Blade Runner, there you go. Blade Runner twenty forty seven. The the original Blade Runner was actually based more in the era, like closer to where these aesthetics started happening. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd actual, say it's an originator of cyberpunk. Yeah, because the people... It is part of what built the, everyone's idea of what cyberpunk is. Yeah, because people were like building technology into themselves mm -hmm. and everybody was becoming like very unique and unusual ways through integrating themselves with technology. Mm -hmm. um, I would say the important part though, right? like what separates that from the other, what, what you would say is like the Star Trek or, or the... Uh, the Star Wars or things like that or other kind of media is the idea that we haven't even really mentioned is corporations taking over the world and using like uh, the technology to wrest control of society from the people to these, uh, these groups whose care is only about uh, profit right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think this is core, right? This uh, anti-authoritarianism, but also this ability for people to uh, be controlled through technology and consumerism, uh, unbeknownst to them, really, mm -hmm. uh, is a core part of what makes cyberpunk punk, but also cyberpunk, right? You've and got some people in that world who are just going along with the corporations and who are going like integrating the technology in the way that the corporations want them to. And then there's people who are sort of on the fringes taking the technology, but then doing their own punk thing with it. Yeah. And so to me, it's not a Luddite idea, although technically historically fun fact uh, in some ways it is Luddite because the original Luddites apparently in history were not necessarily anti-technology fully so much as anti losing their ability to control creation of the goods. Mm -hmm. So they break broke the looms because the looms basically hands over. This is an argument, I guess you could say, but this is probably a socialist uh, understanding or lens of, of Luddites, but they were breaking the looms because of the idea that they would not have ownership over the means of production, right? They didn't think about it in that way because this is, before before that, that stuff. But like um, the idea was that they weren't necessarily against technology so much as handing over the ability to create their goods to a merchants, right? The capitalists who are able to then own these things and therefore 
prevent these people from actually uh, having control over creating of the goods. Yeah, they, they didn't think that the Star Wars or Star Trek Star Trek world was going to happen. They were looking more. Yes, yeah, they're, they're like, this is going to be this is going to be cyberpunk, right? We're, we're all going to be slaves to the the uh, capitalists, which it did happen. So mm-hmm. exactly wrong. Uh-huh. So so apparently we're pre- we're predicting Blade Runner. All right. Well, uh, you got to think like the punk portion shoved into cyberpunk is not. It was literally taking on the political anger which to be fair like you know thatcher did leave right like she did she did she wasn't she wasn't the leader forever right and her right so she did leave and things did get better but at the time there was real fears of um you know creeping government control happening yeah all right so i think we've sort of I don't know if we can describe the aesthetic much more, but the aesthetic sort of comes around, the aesthetic of Mm -hmm. cyberpunk is sort of based around more of an 80s view of like the bright colors, the neons Mm -hmm. and all that. Aesthetic, combined with dystopian conflict. So let's bring that finally, now that we've described it, Mm -hmm. how does it impact miniatures? How does this this cyberpunk uh, aesthetic translate to our, our beautiful consumerist hobby? So I think it oddly hasn't influenced as many games as I would hope it would. Mm-hmm. Like obviously we play Infinity. We won't have to beat around the bush on that. Infinity is very, very cyberpunk influenced with people having like body modifications, with them having like wrist devices that project light, them having like mm-hmm. eye implants, visors, everything else like that. And I and would, yeah. Mm-hmm. And even the average people go around with like some level of cybernetic implants mm-hmm. in that world. Yep. But uh, other futuristic games often seem. Wait, can I add one thing? Yep. Um, to me, it takes on the aesthetics of what we believe as cyber, but not the punk aesthetics. So I would argue it's not so, very cyberpunk at all. So, no, not very. If, only, because. Only, the, only one of the factions, actually, I would say, has that punk element to it, which would be the nomads who get more into the body modifications. But in reality, most factions are more actually like conforming army based. They've integrated technology, yeah, but in a more conforming way. They are and I would say, yeah, I would say like cyberpunk, basically the the ideas of technology mm-hmm. has transcended and spread out further than uh, the cyberpunk genre. In that it the, the cyber portion, the posthumanism has definitely uh, and and posthumanism is not, um, you know, created by cyberpunk the genre, but mm-hmm. the cyberpunk's ideas of posthumanism has definitely influenced the greater uh, technology or or, or um, the greater genre of of uh, a cybernetic posthumanist future, right? Mm-hmm. And in that way, I think Infinity has taken a lot. But I do not think Infinity is at all uh, cyberpunk. Maybe not at all, but it is very minimal uh, because there is not the... The setting is intentionally not supposed to be uh, dystopian, Mm -hmm. right? Even though it has an AI that runs... uh, That is basically runs 
all of the, the technology in the human sphere, which is, you know, the, 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 the world, um, they intentionally didn't want to, uh, they wanted to make sure that it was, you know, a good AI, right? They had, they they put, they have all of these armies, you know, the game is, is split up with armies, which are basically the covert ops of different factions, right? But they are intentionally not like controlled by corporations or the idea of like a megacorp or something like that. Um, that idea of punks rebelling against this kind of things, even the nomads, which is the most cyberpunk of the factions, yeah, um, with the most heavy influence from uh, cyberpunk, um, are in themselves their own, like a nation, mm-hmm. right? In the setting. And so the. Um, they're more based the, towards, they're, they have a bit more of a rejection of like the. The AI that humanity's embraced, they've they've mm-hmm. somewhat rejected that, and they've somewhat gone more towards using technology in more like ununiform yeah. ways. But their punk as their punk stuff is more like aesthetics than it is about a philosophy, and so to me, it's not really, you know, it's it's visually looks cyberpunk, and you could take those models and put them into a cyberpunk game. I think a lot mm-hmm. of them, but and they would fit. But I would not say the actual setting or or the game is cyberpunk, really. Okay. All right, because I just envisioned the people in the nomad ships just going more away from the the corporate look. Anyhow. Uh, yeah, but they, they literally kind of don't like you look at, at Tunguska, they're, they're guys in ties, right? They actually look, the reason why they fit in cyberpunk is because they literally look like corporation people, (laughs) like literally the aesthetics are taken directly from cyberpunk, but all the, the nations, like all the people in the nation are actually like both the corporations and the, uh, the, the punks in in what would normally be, you know, a cyber uh, a cyberpunk setting. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, to me, oh, are you going to say other fact, other settings? No, I was trying to think of other miniature games before this that actually embraced uh-huh. that setting, and they're. So yeah. there is a board game called, I believe, Nakamura tower or something like that mm-hmm. um that has cyberpunk aesthetics there's a lot more in board games or card games you know like uh, netrunner uh yeah. was a cyber uh, a cyberpunk setting right the entire idea of of netrunner is literally based on cyberpunk right yeah, it's that corporations networks yeah one side is an asymmetric game where one side is a corporation and one side is a hacker right who's trying to take this information and so though that the entire aesthetic of netrunner is uh and and story and idea is taken directly from cyberpunk Mm -hmm. um the only other one uh, i'd say um that we haven't really talked about um there's actually a couple uh smaller indie games yeah, I um, games. I'm trying to was trying to see the bigger games, and it, the aesthetic is 
Like uh, it has the most of the aesthetic. So there's a weird uh, mashup one called, I should have written this down. Uh, it's the one where it, it also mashes in fantasy, fantasy races. Hmm. Okay. That's not ring a bell. It's That's an a RPG. Point. Oh, it's an RPG? Yeah. Is it, does it start with an N? Uh, I can't remember the name right now, which is why I'm annoyed that I didn't write it down. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> is it there's the Cyberpunk. Twi- there's Cyberpunk. There's literally... Is it, is it the RPG we played? What? Is it the RPG we've played once before? It starts with uh, an N. Well, that's more of a post-apocalyptic, I would say, where there's remnants around. So I don't think it's. I don't know what game you're talking about. So. Uh, okay. What? Just say the name. Do you remember the name, or you okay. literally just remember N? No, sir. It's an N. I can't remember the rest of it. Okay, I was like, <laughs> it's not Neuromancer. What N? What it's N? Can you not say? <laughs> it's Neuromancer comes to mind because we're talking about cyberpunk, but it's not. Uh-huh. That's why it's confusing me. Anyways. Okay. Well, technically, there's there's cyberpunk, right? There's mm-hmm. that. You have the book, so. Anyways. Yeah, why don't we, we just say cyberpunk? Shadowrun, that's the one. Yeah. So Shadowrun is uh, cyberpunk, and then they mash in fantasy races for whatever reason. And dragons. I assume because of miniatures, who knows? Um, but yeah. that was, was pretty popular. And if you play the video games, it's very much like a tactical kind of combat game and it does make i I agree it does make me question why cyberpunk has not like it seems like the perfect um the perfect setting for skirmish miniature games yeah exactly because you're you have a whole bunch of unique people together it's not your army where you need to have everybody uniform which infinity kind of bridges the scale between the two Mm -hmm. but when you get down to skirmish games like Yep. And, and the I- the idea of having like the story of like these cyberpunk stories is always about these punks basically bringing it to doing some sort of mission to bring it to corporations or 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 corrupt people or or also they are corrupt, right? And they're they're doing these kind of things. Yeah, right? especially because so many more movies have been embracing the cyberpunk sort of themes lately. Like we've yep. uh, that animated Akira, not well, there's Akira from a long time ago. But then Elite Battle Angel lately, mm-hmm. where they're in, they're in. Have you watched it? No. No. Okay. I would describe that as sort of cyberpunk, where their their use of technology is more towards being individual, at least for the characters that are in that. And then the Ready Player One. It's it is post apocalyptic, but how people are interacting with that, I would say, is very. Did you watch Ready Player One as well? Even no. though it was crap. Nope. No, you don't have to watch it, but okay. just, I watched it for more of the aesthetic like a while mm-hmm. back where people are more living in the cybernetic world, at least the characters that you're going around uh-huh. based on how they live their lives. They're, they live in slums, but then in the cyber world, they're sort of like stars. Mm. So. Yeah. So, so many movies about it lately. You would think that miniature games would pick up on all those aesthetics. Yeah. And, and the idea of having, like you said, five or six covert teams fighting either you know your your action corporation team mm-hmm. uh or uh another 
another uh what do you call it i guess you could just call it cyberpunk team like it's literally taken you can literally take scenes from neuromancer and be like this would be an amazing miniatures games where you have like five different guys doing very distinct things with with different kind of abilities and stuff like that and then they go at it right Mm -hmm. Uh, while trying to accomplish this cool mission along this cool battle fields like it has everything you need for a great miniatures games interesting objectives unique characters with interesting abilities um i think the only thing that makes it hard to do is that in the cyberpunk aesthetic there's the idea of you know street samurais and like people uh fighting on the street but it is with you know cybernetic implants post humans but there is a heavy idea of uh hacking and i feel like the hacking portion is the part that people are because it's so core to the aesthetics of cyberpunk yep. i think people have a hard time understanding how they would put hacking into uh the game yeah, because that reminds me of Ghost in the Shell as well, which had the, the recent movie, which was very mm-hmm. disappointing because they, they didn't make use of the whole, they just, they didn't take advantage of the whole concept of people and their interaction with technology. It was more just turned into an action movie with that as a backdrop, whereas the animated series, the, I know there's a whole bunch of them, but I can't yeah, remember. Standalone Complex. Standalone Complex, there you go. That one really delved into how people's like, interaction with the world was going on when they were in such a cybernetic world and it, it showed like the whole hacking element where when people became dependent on technology how they then became vulnerable to hacking yeah i do feel like um the uh, well but it wasn't what do you think was... about ghost in the shell like do you consider that cyberpunk no. or do you so so i guess here's my question then well some people um, some people were some people in it were cyberpunk that they interacted with uh-huh. but for the most part it was like they were the ghost yeah, they're part of the they're part they were, of they were the secret the police. government yeah and they were usually fighting corporations or other sometimes they were fighting people who went off mm-hmm. as lone wolf crazy villains yep. who could be described as cyberpunk because they did crazy okay shit. so so here's my question is it is it not cyberpunk or is it or is ghost in the shell the uh, Japanese version based on, you know, their aesthetics and their idea of culture and their, you know, their, their history, their idea of cyberpunk, right? Because cyberpunk, as we, we said, it grew up in, in, um, well, I guess it comes from punk, which grew up in, in Europe and cyberpunk is, comes from, you know, the, the, the main authors are, I believe American, right? Um, so it, it came from, yeah. So um, is it just like when you translate those ideas, it gets filtered through the Japanese uh, frame of reference and you end up with something like Ghost in the Shell? And so if that's not true, then what are the things that makes Ghost in the Shell so maybe significantly they're... different than, you know, our, uh, you know, Europe, not, not European, but the, our... Uh, English point of of view. So maybe our version of rebellionism has more like individual punk doing your own thing to it. Whereas the the sort of offshoots 
or the people who aren't the secret police that they're going up against are often more like mafia organizations and like the underworld who are trying to take over aspects of the government. So and, it's, they're more against and, organized crime. Okay. Yeah, I do wonder though if that's just like a... So you're right that there are like strong corporations. And if you look in Japan, they have a history of having large corporations that control large swaths of the economy. But I wonder if their softness of like their ideas come from the fact that um, Japan as a whole doesn't have as negative a view of their large corporations. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have, there's more of a idea that, you know, a large corporation can work responsibly, responsibly, Whereas there is like the punk aesthetic comes from the idea grows out of, you know, punk. So the cyberpunk aesthetic grows out of the punk aesthetic where corporations and uh, governments cannot be trusted with their power. They will uh, inevitably abuse it and use it to um, control the rest of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They didn't demonize the, the backdrop of the corporations, like controlling everything in Ghost in the Shell was like sort of downplayed. It's just yeah, it's it was, almost like there's individuals bad actors, but there's nothing wrong with the what do you call it? The the system, right? The system becomes, is not necessarily the problem. It is the actors in the system. Yes, it's the ways of, of it getting co-opted either by like individuals who want to take control over it or by criminal organizations who are trying to, mm -hmm. to work through it. So Okay, so that is so. So, I guess the big thing is though, even though the visually, uh, it's a lot closer, right? So, uh, the the Japanese kind of anime cyberpunk esque or post humanism uh, is very close to the uh, cyberpunk, which is I guess you would call the flag bearer of English speaking uh, post humanism. Mm -hmm. uh, the themes are very different. Yeah, you still you still see people in that. I guess world. the themes are not very different, but they're they're fundamentally different, and their their views of corporations and and their roles in in the world. Yeah, on the surface level, you still get some of the same elements of people doing weird things with technology, like some person just becoming a walking box. You're like, oh, I've been talking to this person for a while, and they show up and meet him. It's like, oh, this guy's now a brain in a box. Okay. It's just, so on the surface, yeah, it can often ghost in the shell and the Japanese version of the sort of future with a bit of dystopian element to it may come off differently than like the European thought of it. But just because it's the future, there's certain ways mm -hmm. when people like do weird one-off things with technology, it sort of all feels kind of cyberpunk. Yeah. People turning into furries. I'm trying to think if there's furries. In there. <laughs> I just had to throw that in I there. Think, I think the like... Japanese might not like hairy things as much as the West. The West might be more okay with hairy wolf people. Are 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 furries more popular in uh, Western culture? I don't want to think about furries right now. We're talking about <laughs> cyber. We we can leave furries alone. <laughs> I always like bringing it up because you're like, Ugh. all right. Only because you your your reaction to to that topic. Um, okay, so what we're saying is, how come 
in skirmish games, there is not enough cyberpunk. And if there is, okay, now I've got to look up that actual game that came out that was like distinctly cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. I, Miniature games. Yeah, I think I've looked up a bunch, but they were all the major sci-fi ones are not. Yes. I think the, the most popular general uh, one where you could have miniature gaming aspects is um, is Shadowrun. Mm-hmm. Like it is a a, a um, it's a role playing game, but there's a lot of overlap, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do feel like that is uh... so with Infinity. I guess you could say that. Like the armies in Infinity actually more represent the corporate elements of the world you'd expect in the future. Yeah, but it's not even corporates, right? Because they still have nation states, right? It's actually nation state armies, well, uh, which is why it doesn't really feel. Well, they say if you get into more of the the mercenary stuff, mm-hmm. which they talk about how a lot of the conflicts actually more occur, like not between the nations themselves, but between the hired actors that are mercenary companies. But they're not using, like, in the fluff, when you play the RPG, right, mm-hmm. You're technically you're supposed to be playing a UN character. Um, but maybe this is why the aesthetic of, of uh, I'm just thinking, like, maybe this is the aesthetic of, of Infinity is not cyberpunk, because so- Infinity setting came from an RPG. And the RPG, I believe everyone played part played characters part of the super un which is the un with the standing army which is basically the world government so the aesthetics of the people who are playing in infinity was the idea that having a world government with like world government like world police is a good thing right so if you were to ask the idea of like that idea is almost antithetical to uh you know the cyberpunk themes yeah i think i've met read more of the fluff based around like the mercenary actors in the world mm-hmm. so bought some of the source books from the so yeah so the mercenary actors are definitely there as as a force but the the ones you jet people generally play are the government actors which changes it a lot right it's not like you have five different mercenary companies that you're supposed to be playing it's like eight eight different uh nations and you play an army from that nation right yeah and often in the fluff they talk about how they're fighting the alien outside nations yep so to me, like, while they could have used, like, leaned into the mercenary stuff and made it more cyberpunk, they did not, right? Um, but the game that I was talking about is Reality's Edge. Okay. Yeah, I've heard of it, but... Yeah, um... it, it's by the same guy that I think did... Oof. That other, the post-apocalyptic game. Fallout? No. No, his name is Joseph McGuire. Uh, Where are we? The other game was is more. This is not a test. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. So he there. There's a bunch of stuff with hacking and, and things like that in that game. Do you do you feel like hacking is is important for cyberpunk? 
to, to work as, as an aesthetic. I, I know that we mentioned basically mm-hmm. the idea of having two covert ops teams or at least one covert ops team doing something. It could be technically asymmetric where you're trying to assault a, uh, I don't know, like a corporate tower mm-hmm. would be cool. Um, do you feel like if you did not have the hacking though, would it be cyberpunk? I think there has to be people like with the technology built into them that has some sort of like limited resource to it. Just so it's like almost a magical element, but it can be built into them. Like they have implants that maybe use up power and stuff like that. But it doesn't have to I would be. I would I actually think there has to be hacking. There has to be some I think sort it of is, network that you're interacting with. There has to be some sort of network that like which I guess may, maybe that plays out in my conception of what a cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. I think the small, there has to be punks, right? At least it, it, if it's two corporations fighting each other, it's not cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. But if there, if punks are a major part of your world uh, and then you, you still need the corporations, right? You need both corporations and you need some sort of conflict between corporations and punks. Whether or not it always has to happen, let's say you have five different factions or ten different factions, but there has to be punks. They have to be a major aesthetic, and there has to be, you know, the mercenaries. That kind of idea of people fighting under the corporate heel, and then also having some sort of corporations, um, at least influence. Whether it's the actual soldiers on the ground, right? Because you know the idea of cyberpunk can be the corporations hire these secret teams to go and fight for them, right, and do the, their espionage. I think that is important. So that falls directly, like perfectly into skirmish games. But I yeah. think the hacking, the, I think the post-humanism, I think that's what you're mentioning, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it needs to be there. Otherwise, it's it can literally, there's no cyber part, right? The cyber part has to be there. But I think the hacking has to be there as well. Yeah, you don't necessarily. It's such a like, strong theme. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. hacking as a weapon necessarily, but it has to be like some sort of resource possibly mm-hmm. that you're working yeah. in. Yeah, I would say like if you have a uh, infinity s kind of game where it's um, you know covert action teams fighting each other over whatever objective. Um, if you were to add in hacking, not necessarily as people on the ground there, but hacking of some sort, like um, like you said, more, it could even be more like you as the commander. Are controlling. Oh, are that? Yeah, are the hacker or whatever that is, or or at least you have a hacker with you, and then you command the hackers offsite, mm-hmm. and you have your your team who is actually the the people on on the table, right? Mm-hmm. They uh, are they're basically they're, they're hooked in them. with the hackers, and they have an ability to allow the hackers to project through them. Yeah, either they're trying to hook into things on the table, or they're trying to like get other people like other robots off the table that have hacking controls or take them over or things like that. So the problem I feel like, like I think that's great. And I think that almost makes more sense in terms of how hacking works in, in the media of cyberpunk. But the problem I have with that in terms of miniature games is how do you then take a character like a model that looks so fucking cool as a hacker and put it on the table. Cause you know, that's what miniature gamers want. They're like, Oh, I painted this cool hacker with the cyber rig and stuff like that. But if it, they're always off the table, why did I paint this miniature? 
well, maybe they're the ones that like, if you're actually trying to hack into something on the table, they have to, they're the ones who need to use to perform the action or so they like they, to project your power better because they're, they've got the tech on them. So the, the, the hackers on the table, basically for specific missions, you're like, oh, I have to take my hacker along because he has to be on the table. But uh, but he had, literally has no guns. You're you're the nerdy, you're the nerdy hacker. You're you're too feeble to run across the board. You've just got to like call him on on the phone. No, I think it's cooler if you literally like for certain missions, like so everyone has hacking, right? You put in a hacker in your in your team, right? You always need to have a hacker because of course cyberpunk, right? But for certain missions, you have to bring your hacker onto the table and it becomes like an HVT, like a high value target that mm-hmm. literally sucks at fighting. Like literally any other guy, like there's not, they don't even have to roll, roll dice when they fight. Literally, right. if if uh, an enemy reaches hand to hand with your, your hacker, he just loses, right? He just like loses that, that fight, but he is needed on whatever missions to get to the terminal to control it. Yeah, it's kind of like War Machine where you've got your your Warcaster, but in this case, he's actually like the worst fighter on the table. <laughs> he's terrible at fighting. He's just putting like, all, okay, he's you need this guy. Stuff like that, but it's like, oh no. Mm-hmm. Don't make your yeah. nerd fight. No. I would say like only for certain missions. I think that would be yeah. really cool if like, you can just use his normal abilities off-site for normal missions, but like certain missions where you're like, okay, you need to take your HVT. He can't die. Like if he dies, you lose the game, right? Like you said, right? But like he literally has to get to the terminal to succeed that mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be great. And you only but ever have like one or two hours. I would totally dig that just because of how much media and stuff there is out there with all that. But so anyway. your HVTs are always hackers. Yeah, that'd be great. Man, now I want to play this. Non-existent, <laughs> this, this game. non-existent uh cyberpunk game you should send a message to infinity could you create like a version of oh i guess they they couldn't really do it but mm-hmm. yeah can you make an expansion for the rpg or whatever anyhow so we've gone on for a while of that should we what? move over you still Here's want to talk about we've gone non-existent? so long i think we have, there's so much to talk i think we got to make this a two-parter we you think we can do a whole grimdark Wow. Oh, definitely. Grimdark oh, no. is have, even more with more, miniatures. I have more on this piece of... Okay, it's not a full piece of paper. It's just a sticky note. But there's uh, more on the sticky note about the Grimdark than there is about the Cyberpunk. Okay, so do we want to... So we've talked about Cyberpunk, what it is, the themes, mm-hmm. the history. What would, make um, a, what would make a great game? Do we have anything we want to say about Cyberpunk before we wrap this... Uh, part of the episode and uh up i think it's hard to paint cyberpunk just because we're talking about miniatures okay yeah yeah let's let's go with the aesthetics i know i spent so much time bashing aesthetics and saying that's not cyberpunk you need the themes but let's talk about the aesthetics so obviously it has like the 80s like if you think 80s synth wave sort of like imagery which people might not totally think about but there's a lot of like dark purple dark blue to it with a lot, a lot of like glowing sunset colors. So if you think of your glowing yellow, your mm-hmm. oranges, your glowing pinks. Yeah, and is, that's a very 80s aesthetic. And it's right? mostly, ba- where- it's kind of almost like a film noir thing, but not quite, because it's got like the dark backdrop, because those colors only look right at night. Yeah. And now that you mention it, when was film noir popular? The 50s? Um... 
Was it the 50s and 60s or or was it earlier than that? It was earlier than that, right? It was around then, maybe earlier, but. Because the 80s is now 40 years ago, maybe not 40 years ago, it ended 30 years ago, right? So that entire aesthetic to people growing up now is alien, right? Because to them, it's just history. No, 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 the the 80s, the 80s aesthetic, neon, bright colors, this this thing, like we have bright colors and, uh, you know, screens like we mentioned, Mm -hmm. um, but we don't have the 80s aesthetic idea of like representation of those things, right? Because now we have full color, we can show everything. We don't think about neon as something to to use to be bright, whereas in the no, 80s, the what only they colors you could make that's that's so bright is neon, right? Yeah, it no, had to be neon. They had they had two lights to work with, whereas now you go to like a sports stadium and there aren't just like a couple of like light bulbs that light up. You've now just got LCD screens that just ring the whole arena. And, it, mm-hmm. and there's multiple la- layers of these rings. With, yeah, with any color that you want in mm-hmm. terms of glowing it can shine with the light of the sun it lights up the entire place it doesn't have to like you don't need neon to like neon colors to make them uh you know actually be seen no and the thing about neon colors is they don't really work unless you've got darkness around like if you think of the sports stadium that's like uh-huh. pretty well lit because they're trying to play sports in it and then you put neon lights there you won't really notice they don't the contrast isn't there so they don't work you need like this backdrop of like night, mm-hmm. which when you think about punk, you're like, yeah, okay. They're not just walking around during the day with all the normal people. The punks come out at night. And so yeah, whole- I think that's like almost, what, what is that tied to? Is it the tie to the music scene? Yeah. Music. You think of all the music. When it music probably is tied. The fact that it's like nighttime thing mm-hmm. and tied to the music scene. The fact that, you know, people don't go to, in the day to listen to music. No, you think so you have of, to work. You think of underground music acts. Like if they start at eleven o'clock for an underground music act, that's early. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. everyone's got to get off their late night shift before they can come. Yes, because the punks are working. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Everyone has to work. Yeah. So, like, Fine. you you gotta afford all of those spikes on your your thing. You gotta do something. You probably just hate your job. The important part of it is not that you don't have a job; it's that you hate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless I guess you're a theatrical musician. Yes. But just okay, the- so the neon colors is is a thing, and it's literally a retro cool thing from the fact that Cyberpunk grew up in a time where that was just the aesthetic. And when we think because of that, it has taken on this neon uh aesthetic of the future. Whereas yeah. if you look at uh Ghost in the Shell it was created in the nineties and stuff where technology was advanced enough that you didn't need um, neon colors. So the idea is that they would just be like TV screens like now, right? It's modern enough that the technology, it's closer to the actual technologies that we have now, whereas the neon was really just extrapolating the aesthetic or the use of color at the time. That was basically just technology limited. Yeah, and I think I've watched some gameplay of Cyberpunk 2077. Mm-hmm. So there's sort of different areas to the game, and some of it's during the day, some of it's at night. 
mm-hmm. they embrace sort of the futuristic aesthetic and the neon cyberpunk looking aesthetic in the game where some mm-hmm. districts you'll be there at night when it's raining and you've got like the glowing signs on the buildings you're going into and like mm-hmm. shadowy places but then during the day there's just people dressed in like futuristic clothing and they have sort of implants but it's all mm-hmm. more subtle but the clothing is much less conformist too for the sort of people who are the characters who are being more punkish. Mm. So, and, and the people who are dressed more well kind of uh, gives it, ex- accentuates the uniqueness of the characters, right? Because like we said, the, the aesthetics of cyberpunk is you have that layer of normalcy of society that is working, but then you have this giant CD underbelly like how the actual uh how the actual what do you call it how how the the, the pie is made what, is it, what do they call it so how the whatever is made how the sausage is made right this high the entire cd underbelly of how the sausage is made which is the punk idea right why you have these this uh which is where you have these corporations who are doing cd shit right they're they have espionage they kind of do this all of this terrible stuff, right? And then you have the people at the bottom who just like work and toil to help, you know. It's a very anti-capitalist message. Mm -hmm. But just bring it back to like the potential for painting things like that, Mm -hmm. that it's sort of tough to paint that aesthetic and make it- The uniqueness and and the neonness, except for the retro coolness of it. Yeah, I think I'm going to try and paint it with the whole neon look. I think basically it may, you may just have to make it look like the armies at night for it to work. So you may have to just base your stuff really darkly to make it, to make the glowing aspect of the guys. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think it really is. uh, The cyberpunk look is, has to be neon. It is literally an eighties retro look. Kind of like if you go further beyond, like past that, you get the, turn of the century space look which is has kind of come back in a lot of not a lot but in some sort of media where it's like what did people think of the science fiction future when the only thing was the was it the saturn V rocket like the, like the only people the only rocket that people thought of that that could go into space was the you know the 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 russian one right Oops. And then there's that that aesthetic with with fish bowls and shit like that, right? That it is very rooted. That kind of aesthetic is rooted in its time, right? And the people's ideas. I think cyberpunk has now, in some ways, in terms of the aesthetic, has been locked into the age that it was uh, born in. Even though technologically speaking, it doesn't make sense for modern technology. Yeah. But I think the thing that works with cyberpunk is that it was. So, although if you read the books now, they're a little, you know, there's some stuff doesn't necessarily make sense, but it's so prescient, right? Some things were were done so well that they're obviously, you know, the, the idea of them coming to fruition in the future makes sense. Like hacking, right? Mind hacking, right? That's uh, heavy uh, AIs, like uh, body modification with, you know, you know, like... I don't know, your nails flip up and then you have daggers for, for nails, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah, because people are totally, sense. totally willing to wear smart watches right now that monitor their biometrics. Yeah, so. and there's people, there's people that were trying to do cybernetic augmentation, right? 
mm-hmm. even though you can't really do it yet. <laughs> They're like, oh, I want to, I want to put in whatever kind of, uh, whatever monitor inside my body so that, you know, I am now a Cyberman. Yeah. And there's people yeah, who are going to wear the earpieces all the time. So if they don't even have to touch their technology, they're like, no, yeah. I can just voice control this and walk around using the technology. I at home almost always wear these headphones so I can listen to whatever stream through my phone. Mm-hmm. If you think about like and the you, interface, and- the only <laughs> difference is that it doesn't pierce my skin, mm-hmm. but these are literally on my ears almost all the time. Yeah. And if you could make them less intrusive by implanting them, you'd be like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah. If it, there weren't any bad side effects. Sure. Uh-huh. Not really, but like I could see people doing it. Would uh-huh. I do it? Would you get cybernetic implants? No, I'm, I'm pretty much a Luddite. Really? I seem to remember someone having like surgery, although I guess that was medically. That was necessary. Medically necessary. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, so you would not be one of the uh, technologically advanced people in a cyberpunk world. No, I, I'm trying to stick towards going towards not this. even claws not guns that pop out of your arm no. no okay how about super fast jumping or super strong jumping that becomes more tempting actually that's <laughs> fun yeah reinforced legs that can jump that'd be cool okay if i had my hips turned bad i'd be like yeah give me the give me the cybernetic hip <laughs> i'm gonna have to get a hip replacement anyways might as well have the cybernetic one Okay, so then in a cybernetic uh, cyberpunk future, let's say there's a cyberpunk game or we just end up in that dystopian future because we live a long time. Um, where would you want to be if you could have a choice? Who would, which side would you be on? So we're, we're now differentiating between like the, the Star Trek and the cyberpunk universe? Yes, yeah, so, no, I'm saying like in the cyberpunk universe, um, which side do you think you would be on? Where oh, would you be? be? I'd be on the corporates. There's, there's <laughs> no question. Okay, okay. You, you'd no, be on no, the corporate no. side. Actually, maybe not. The corporates embrace it. I might just be on the people. Like you think of Ghost in the Shell. There was that one last inspector who refused to connect himself to the network for the longest time in standalone so complex. And then you would be the Luddite. You would literally be the, you would be a, a cyberpunk guy. You would be the guy that's off, off grid. Everyone else has their implants and you're like, I don't need an implant, fuck that. And they would hire you to like do jobs where you have to be off the grid. Mm-hmm. Well, they can't detect you because you, you don't yeah. have the eye implants and everything else. Unfortunately, because you don't have any implants, you are also basically incompetent relative to everyone else because you don't have your super jumpy legs or your like gun arms and shit. Mm-hmm. Get that gun arm, man, and laser yeah, eye too. That guy in Ghost in the Shell got the shit kicked out of him all the time. <laughs> Until he finally like, fine, I'm going to get my cybernetic arm or something. Or his arm oh. gets ripped off or something, he has to replace it. I think that was like spine broken or something. Oh, then he he has to do it after his spine gets broken. He's like, fine, okay. I'll do it. Now I have a, an amazing cybernetic body. I'm awesome. No, he went. He just went. <laughs> it's sucky. He got a spine broken. It's not going to be amazing. Okay. All right. So so that's if you were there. Mm-hmm. What happens if you had to build an army for a miniatures game? Our, the, our, our um, theoretical cyberpunk game. Oh, which, I, which, I, what would your army be? I'll go for the punks entirely just because 
I have so many army armies. Like Infinity Star, uh-huh. the, the futuristic army urge. I would just go down the punk road. I think I would do the corporations, honestly. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, politically and, and whatever, and, and, like, if I were to do it, I would almost certainly be on the punk side. Like, if I was living in the world, it's kind of the idea of owning the army that's the bad guy seems fun to me. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, I'm going to, my army is all of the people that I, I don't know, don't like in real life. Well, maybe I view the punks as the bad guys. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So we've gone through a lot of stuff about cyberpunk, and we've gone through enough that we uh, don't have time for the Grimdark. So we're going to split this into a two-parter. Uh, we'll go into Grimdark the next time uh, and what the difference is between cyberpunk and, and Grimdark uh, in terms of miniature gaming and maybe just in general. Um, but if you have any ideas about cyberpunk, you want to talk to us about your favorite kind of game. If you know a game that is really good cyberpunk, if you've played that game we mentioned, which I haven't actually played, what's the game I mentioned again? Is it Shadowrun? No. No, 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 no. The, the tabletop one. Oh my God, oh. I'm terrible at this. I thought it was Shadow something, but anyhow. Or is that the RPG? That's the RPG. Okay. Um, anyways, if you have, uh, any kind of reality's edge, mm-hmm. that was the name. So if you played reality's edge or you have all these, any other cyberpunk games that you think are awesome that, that we could play with that are similar to the other ideas we mentioned, or just games that you really, really enjoy, uh, give us a shout. Tell us what it is. Yeah. Be interesting. All right. Uh, this has been Alan. Yeah, it's been Brandon. Oh, I forgot. If you want to contact us to be able to do that, uh, email us at contact at, uh, at diceovereverything.com or uh, find us on Facebook yep, um, uh, at Dice Over Everything Group. Yeah, Dice Over Everything Group, just because we talked over each other. Yep. All right. Now, that's it. It is. Bye.